Hi there, this is Jeff Dixon, and I'm the pastor of Word of Life Miami. And this week, as you listen to this podcast, I want you to, as you deal with the question, what do we do with this message, the message of Jesus Christ? I want you to think about Romans 10, 15 that says, How can people tell the good news if no one sends them? As Scripture says, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who announce the good news. And I want you to evaluate that question. How can people tell the good news if no one sends them? And then follow up with asking yourself, How beautiful are my feet? I hope this message enriches your life, empowers you, and causes you to do something with this awesome news about who Jesus Christ is in our lives. God bless you. Thanks again. Turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. But before we get there, you can just hold your place there or keep it. Keep it. We're going to um, recap, if I may. Um, the first thing before we recap is let's look at on the screen our theme scripture for this series. You see it up there, Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, and let's read, can we just read this out loud together this morning? Say this, and you'll probably want to use that one because not everybody's Bible reads the same. It says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. This idea that we have before us that we are in the middle of something brand spanking new, that it doesn't look anything like has been in the past. This is this theme of unprecedented, something that there has been no precedence set. God is doing something that we haven't experienced or seen. Yes, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, but he does like to do things new for and through and by us. Amen? So that is our theme scripture. So let's recap. Week one, Noah, through faith, Noah received or was given a revelation, was rescued and receives God's gift of righteousness. I don't, I'm not going to re-preach these messages. Just going to quickly give you the, the uh, points. Week two, we talked about Joshua as he marched around Jericho. How many times? Seven. He endured. He had endurance. When there was an obstacle in front of the army, they endured until God performed the miracle. He had faith. His progress didn't look obvious by the sixth day. It's the wall still hadn't come down, but he didn't quit. And he had trust. He trusted. Even though this process seemed open-ended, he, he stayed until the finish. And then week three, we looked at three Hebrew, Hebrew men, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I just came across a, a, a new business. Their pr- pr- parent company is my shack, your shack, and a bed we go. Anyway, that's nothing to do with them, but I thought it was a cool main business. But how we stand in the fire, we learn from them that we must be persuaded. I'm telling you, if they had to have been persuaded of what God was going to do in their lives, or they wouldn't have gone into the fire, right? They, they, wouldn't, they would have bowed before the idol. They must expect the pressures from the world. Listen, this world is a mean world. And if we expect that things are going to come against us, but know that God is there to deliver us, those pressures aren't that significant. We must rest in God's protection. Isn't it great that when the things of this world are swirling around us, when the storms are raging wild, that we can still rest in God's presence and His protection? We must live in God's promise. His promises are yes 
blessed and amen. Hallelujah. And we must trust in the timing of God's promotion. Then we started the series within this series because there's nothing more unprecedented than Jesus because there is nothing in the world that can compare to what Jesus has done for us, is by us, and intends to do through us. And we've got this by one by one's transgressions, Adam, we were separated from God. And by one's righteousness, Jesus, we are reunited back to God. Hallelujah. Then week five, we looked at the second part, that he was a voluntary and obedient sacrifice. Can you believe that he willingly went to the cross? He chose and then willingly gave himself up. And we looked at the points that the law could never make us perfect. Jesus was not powerless in his crucifixion. Jesus' sacrifice is permanent. Hallelujah. It doesn't. He doesn't have to go back on the cross after over and over again. There doesn't have to be a repeat sacrifice that what he did on the cross was final. Hallelujah. It was permanent. Our sin has no past recollection. I'm so thankful that Jesus isn't coming to me every time I approach his presence and he's not saying, remember that one time that you asked me to forgive you and I kind of sort of did, but I... I'm going to hold that over you this time, and I'm not going to really pour that much out on you today. I'm going to let you know I'm in the room, but I'm not going to gush upon you everything that I have to offer. He doesn't do that. There's no remembrance of what we did in the past. We also know that this sacrifice is the point of entrance. It's the place because of the sacrifice where we now can enter into the presence of God. And we are then the last point. We are given a faithful promise. And I love that. This week, though, we're going to look at our part our part. Next slide, please. Jesus part three. What do we do with this message? This will be our final message within the uh, unprecedented series. Oh, like what's next? Oh, I can't wait to share with you. But this week, we're going to look at our part. What do we do with this message? And that's what leads us to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we're going to look through nine, at verses 9 through 31. Let's pray again. Father, we may pray a lot in this place, but there's nothing better than just communicating with you. Lord, as we communicate in this place with you, would you communicate back? Would you speak to us clearly? Would you open our hearts right now to receive what you have for us? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, look at this with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. Right here it says, God faithfully keeps his promises. God faithfully keeps his promises. Promises. I think that's probably if I stayed right there for the duration of today's message, we would probably be able to deal with some really cool things in our lives today because we need to be reminded. There's somebody in this room today that needs to be reminded that God faithfully, he faithfully, that means it's unwavering. There is no uh, back and forth. I'm going to start and then I'm going to back off. I'm going to begin to move and then I'm going to retract from what I've started. No, this is a faithful, enduring, a completion work. He is faithful to complete. God keeps his promises. He's not a liar. It's not in his abilities, but God can do anything. He cannot lie. It's not in his makeup. It's not in his his personality. It's just not something he does. He is faithful to keep his 
promises. How many of you need in this moment right now to remember his promises that he's spoken to you as a teenager, as a young adult, maybe later in life, whatever it is right now in this moment, it is time to recollect. What is that? What is that promise? What is that thing that God has spoken to you that you need to remember? Because he's faithful to keep those promises he has placed in your life. What is the promise? God is faithful to keep his promises. And he has called you. Say he's called me. Now look at your neighbor and he says he's called you too. Is there anyone left out in this declaration this morning? Everyone in this room, I can confidently say, God has called you. You are called, and you are called, and you are called, and you are called. There's no one left out in this. He has called you to be partners. This is awesome. I love this. This is a little one-sided, kind of unfair to him. But we are called partners. He has called us to be partners with his son, Jesus Christ. It's not equal partners. It's kind of more like it's all on him, and then he lets us do. It's kind of pretty groovy. I love that we are partners with Jesus Christ, but what does that mean? What does it mean that we are called to be partners with Jesus? Does that mean we get all the good stuff? Yes. But what do we take on? Well, if we're partners with Christ, we share in his feelings and we share in his views. Well, What are some of those things? Well, Romans 8, 9 says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. So we've got this idea that the Spirit of Christ is within us, and that Spirit is part of sharing in His feelings and views. And I'm telling you, we are in a culture today that is charged with feelings and views. We are in a culture today that has views. Right now, the big hot topic, and I'm not going to get into it in detail, but is it not centered around gun control? Now, I wonder what Jesus, how Jesus feels about that. Well, I'm not going to tell you today. Because, you know, I think what he cares most about today is where you're going to spend eternity. Where is your heart? Where is your mind? Where is your soul? But we can just share his feelings, his views. What does he view as far as sickness? His view says sickness has no place in our bodies. And we get to share in that. His feelings and views say that we should be blessed and prosper as our soul prospers. That is part of his feelings and part of his views. But his feelings and views also say that if we look at the opposite sex with an intent, with a lustful thing, it is as if we've committed the same act. Since if we have hate in our heart, we've committed murder. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought I was going into one of the grace churches. You, you did. But do we share in his feelings and in his views? The second part, if we are in this partners with Christ, we share in his temptations and trials. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that if Jesus was tempted in every way that we can be tempted, he still went to the cross perfect, sinless, blameless. And the Bible promises promises us also in the Corinthians that we would be tempted, but we would be able to be given a way out of those temptations. 1 Peter 4.13 says, But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's 
sufferings. What's interesting is the way we share in his suffering is by receiving what he did. We share in his suffering by receiving his sacrifice. By saying yes to his leading. Hmm. But rejoice in so far as you share in Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Share in his airship and not airship. I feel like all of a sudden in outer space is airship and inheritance. Philippians 3.10 says, In that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. You see, as he died, he was resurrected. And if I can't share in his death, I can't share in his resurrection. Another part where we're partners with Christ, we share in his heirship and his inheritance. He is the Son of God. And Romans 8 says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. We're talking about us. Provided we suffer with him. There it is again, suffering with him. In order that we may also be glorified with him. We are co-heirs with Christ Jesus. First Peter 1, 3-4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercies. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Say hope. To a living hope through the resurrection of Christ, uh, from Jesus Christ, from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable. Listen to these words. Undefiled and unfading. Kept in heaven for you. Hmm. So if we share in his feelings, share in his temptations and trials, we share in his heirship and, and, and inheritance. We share in his triumph and his resurrection. I like it when scripture lets us do the good stuff, right? Romans 6, 4 through 5. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like his we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. I'm telling you, we are poised. We are positioned in a place that this, is, this life, this existence, this walk that we're in is only temporal. But the moment we said yes to Jesus, we stepped into eternity. We found a new life based on eternal consequence. Or I should say eternal rewards. Are you living with an eternal perspective? Are you staying in this temporal world where everything I do has some form of effect right here, right now? Let's get out of this mindset that what I do right now matters right now. Let's start getting into this this frame of mind that says, no, what I do matters eternally. I think we'll make decisions differently. I think we'll live our lives a little bit differently. I think we'll say yes to different things and no to a whole lot more. 1 Corinthians, back to our theme scripture, verse 10 says, brothers and sisters, who are we talking to? Us. 
I encourage all of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to agree with each other and not split into opposing groups. I want you to be united in your understanding and in your opinions. Wow, unity, would you say, is something lacking? Yeah, we just addressed that in just a minute. But I want you to know this about opinions. They don't define the truth. Point number two. Point number one. We are partners with Christ. Point number two, what do we do with this message? We understand opinions don't define the truth. We've got to start preaching the facts from the Word of God. We've got to start understanding what it says and how it lines up with what He has said over our lives. We've got to first recognize that in our own lives and realize what He says about ourselves. What does the Word of God say about you? It says that it's in regards to you that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. It says before He ever formed you in your mother's womb, He knew you. Those are facts what I look like and and how I think about myself, those are strictly opinions that don't define the truth. Uh, let me let me take it another step back or 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 put it in another set of perspectives. The word of God's truth says by his stripes I am healed. The doctor might say you have cancer but the word of God says you are healed. The word of God says you might deal with post traumatic stress disorder but the word of God says that you will have a sound mind. The word of, uh, the, the doctor might say that you're dealing with this but God says that your ex might say this but God says that your mommy and daddy might have said this but the word of God says that I'm here to tell you what does the word of God say believe that and let's be united together and know that opinions don't find the, define the truth God Jesus has defined the truth and what does he say about you hmm. continuing on in verse 11 brothers and sisters some people from Chloe's family have made it clear to me you are quarreling among yourselves Sounds like the church today. This is what I mean. Each of you is saying, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ, or I follow Stephen Furtick, or I follow Joel Osteen, or I follow Jeff Dixon, or I follow Christ. Verse 13, has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in Paul's name? Well, I thank God that I didn't baptize any of you except a couple of people that I'm not going to pronounce their names today. Verse 15, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I also baptized his family. Beyond that, I'm not sure whether I baptized anyone else. Verse 17, Christ didn't send me to baptize. Instead, he sent me to spread the good news. I didn't use intellectual arguments. That would have made the cross of Christ lose its meaning. Point number three, keep the cross central. Let's not get hung up in doctrinal this is and that's. Listen, we have times and we have places. I can, I, I, we, we are going to move into a place here at Word of Life Miami. We're going we're gonna to do a series, I don't know exactly when, it'll be sooner than later, that I'm going to call basic. And we're going to deal with the basics of what we believe. But it 
isn't something to argue about because the one thing that we do believe that I'm going to tell you is fact is how we're saved, and it's through Jesus Christ, not by works, lest any man should boast, but by the, by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He has made us righteous. So we've got to keep the cross central. The cross is the theme. The cross is Jesus. Verse 18, the message about the cross. I think this is interesting, but we can also see this played out very dramatically. Think about everyone in here. I think we could think about somebody whenever I read this. The message about the cross is nonsense to those who are being destroyed, but it's God's power to us who are being saved. Have you ever sat down with somebody that refused to believe and thought that you were stupid? I could bring up a recent event right now about that. It doesn't make sense, does it? Why would God use that when he could command angels to come down? He could just annihilate Satan and his schemes. You know, God could have created man with the sole purpose of worshiping, worshiping him at his command. He gave us this free will, this the cross is nonsense to those who are being destroyed. But it's God's power. It is the power of God to those who are being saved. And Scripture says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will, I will reject the intelligence of intelligent people. Where, there's a, where is there a wise person? Where is there a scholar? Where is there a persuasive speaker of our time? Hasn't God turned the wisdom of the world into nonsense? <laughs> I love to listen to an overly intellectual person that refuses to believe the power of the cross and hear how stupid they really sound. The world with its wisdom was unable to recognize God in terms of his own wisdom. God decided to use the nonsense of the good news we speak to save those who believe. Jews asked for miraculous signs and the Greeks looked for wisdom. But our message is with Christ, is that Christ was crucified. This offends Jewish people and makes no sense to people who are not Jewish. It makes no sense to everybody is what it sounds like. But to those Jews and Greeks who are called, he is Christ, God's power and God's wisdom. Verse 25, God's nonsense is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. <laughs> I love it. You see point number four with God, with and in God, our weakness is always stronger than the world's strongest. There's a song Back, uh, I believe it was the 90s, early 90s, that used to, the main the part of the chorus was, if you see me on my knees, it's not because I'm weak. I'm getting stronger. Look at David. When he faced Goliath. We've got all these armies that, that the, the God's chosen people, and they, they have their strongest, and they cannot come against this Goliath. Let's see if I have this. Listen to this description. I think I've got it here. Yeah. 
The Philistine, this is 1 Samuel 17, this isn't in my notes. The Philistine, the Philistines assembled their armies for war. They assembled at uh, Soko, which is in Judah, and camped between Soko, if I'm saying that right, and Ezekah, and Apha, some other place. So Saul and the army of Israel assembled and camped in Elah Valley, and they formed a battle line to fight the Philistines. The Philistines were... Uh, stationed on a hill on one side, and the Israelites were stationed on a hill on the other side, and there was a ravine between the two of them. The Philistine army's champion, their champion, he came out to their camp, and his name was Goliath of Gath. He was, listen, this is our, our, math, our, our, our measurements. He was 10 feet tall. Some people think I'm tall. Some people think, Aaron, you're tall. He was tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a bronze coat of armor, scales. They weighed 125 pounds. On his legs, he had a bronze shin guard, and on his back, a bronze javelin. The shaft of his spear was like the beam, like, was like the beam used by weavers. The head of the spear was made of 15 pounds of iron, of iron. The men who carried his shield walked ahead of him. The men, men, oh, so it's just kidding, the man who carried his would have made more sense if it said men, but in my idea. But the man who carried his shield walked ahead of him. And Goliath called. Let's change the page. Goliath stood and called. Why do you form battle lines? Am I not a am I not a Philistine and aren't you Saul's servants? And so we've got this big, burly, ugly I'm just gonna throw that one in there. Ugly big cucumber with a Wart on his nose, veggie tails, and he is insulting the people of God, and the 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 least likely David, with the weakest weapon of them all, small rocks, takes out the skilled warrior. I love this picture of God using God. Using the weak. God using us in our weakness. When God is behind it, it is stronger than the world's strongest. Continuing on in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Brothers and sisters, here we go again. Obviously who he is talking to. Consider what you were when God called you to be Christians. Not many of you were wise from a human point of view. You were not in powerful positions or in the upper social classes, but God chose what would God chose what the world considered nonsense to put wise people to shame. God chose what the world considered weak to put what is strong to shame. God chose what the world considered ordinary and what it despises, what it considered to be nothing in order to destroy what it considered to be something. As a result, no one can brag in God's presence. You are, here it is again, partners with Christ Jesus because of God. Jesus has become our wisdom sent from God, our righteousness, our holiness, and our ransom from sin. As Scripture says, whoever brags must brag about what the Lord has done. And my final point, Brag on Jesus. Brag on Jesus. Brag on Him. 
When was the last time you talked about his goodness? When was the last time you talked about how he delivered? When was, you la- when was the last time you talked about what he could do? When was the last time you actually went up to somebody and, and let him demonstrate what he's capable of demonstrating? When is the last time you said it's not about what I am here to do, but it's what he is here to do? Look at my God. Look at my Jesus. Look at the one I love. Look at the one that I adore. See, it's Jesus about Jesus. It's about what He is. It's my Savior, my King, my God. It's the one that rules in my life. It's the one that makes the way in the darkness. It's the one that lights up my path. It's the one in who I bow before. It's the one in who I love more than anything else. It is my God, my King, my Jesus. I brag on Him. It's not me that you should see when I'm up here preaching. I hope you don't see me. I hope you see my Jesus. Do you see him? Please. See my Jesus. Can you can you see? I mean, he's a lamb sent to be slaughtered. Yet he's my victorious king. He was placed in a tomb only to be seated at the right hand of God. He was the stone in which the builder rejected, and now he is my firm cornerstone. He is my bridegroom, and I am his bride. I am his beloved and he is mine. Oh, that we would recognize when he is among us. Oh, that we would be moved by an encounter with His presence. Oh, would we lay down our preconceived ideas of how we should respond. Maybe we should get emotional. When was the last time we shed a tear when he walked into the room? When was the When was the last time we allowed our changed? When was the last time we forgot protocol when was the last time we decided to be a little on the undignified side that rhymed that was cool when was the last time we were moved not because the 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 emotion of 
the music, but we were moved because of the actual presence of Jesus. We should brag on that. When was the last time we walked into a convenience store and the atmosphere of the room changed or we went to a restaurant on Sunday afternoon and we were the most pleasant people sitting in there and gave the biggest tip or walked through a waiting room of a hospital and laid hands on people or I could go on I could talk more We have to brag. Maybe if we're not bragging on Jesus, we don't have a revelation of who He is. Do you have a revelation of who Jesus is? Is He these things to you? See, Paul writes... A continued letter to the Corinthians in in, in Second Corinthians, chapter four, and he says, "Our message is not about ourselves; it's about Jesus Christ as the Lord." I think it's interesting that in John's account of Jesus walking on water, it's the same account when Peter comes out of the boat. There's no account in that in that gospel. Of Jesus getting out of the boat. And many scholars say that that most likely John Mark was strictly writing an account of what Peter told him. Now, why would Peter not tell John Mark? Not John's account, Mark's account. I got it all wrong. But why would Peter tell Mark or leave out the part of him getting out of the boat? I think if I walked on water, the world to know it. I think if I walked on water, I would have 12 different books on how to lead your ship. That's my leadership book. And I'd have a book on walking in faith. And then I'd have a book about when you're sinking, reach your hand out and grab onto Jesus. Book three. I could list them all day. But I get this idea that Peter, the Peter that had the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. You're, you're the Christ. You're the rock. You're the Messiah. You're the, you're the one that has been promised to come. The same Peter who would Deny Jesus three times only to be reunited in reconciliation back to Jesus. As Jesus says, do you love my people? This Peter who had a revelation of who Jesus truly was. The, 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 the languages that we see even in Mark's account of this walking on the water, they the, the disciples, they're, they're gathered in the boat. Jesus has now got in the boat. And you've got this picture of their, they're almost, 
they're, they're in this place of frustration because they had failed. In this moment, they have a revelation. There's a place where, where Jesus refers to himself as I am. They have this revelation in this moment that Jesus is truly the Son of God. And all of a sudden, they are in this place of seeing for all this time they've walked with Jesus and seen him perform these miracles. And now they're in the boat and they're frustrated because they failed to see who he was in the previous miracles. I can't help but think that as Peter is telling Mark, John Mark, about this occurrence that all he could focus on all he could brag on was Jesus see he realized I could only imagine that it must have been about Jesus this that we're doing here is about Jesus it wasn't Peter's story it's not my story it's not your story. It's, oh, it's his story. Romans ten fourteen says, but how can people call on him if they've not believed in him? How can they believe in him if they've not heard his message? And how can they hear if no one tells the good news. How can people tell the good news if no one sends them? The scripture says, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who announce the good news. And what I want us to close with today is a, a, just kind of a self-reflection. The scripture here. Put that last line up. The line, the last line of the last scripture. Just that last scripture real quick. How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who announce the good news. And my question for you in closing is how beautiful are your feet? Are they? Are they? What are you doing with this message? Father God, I thank you for who you are that you didn't vacate heaven, but you sent yourself in the form of Jesus to earth. Fully God, yet fully man. And through that life, we learned how to heal the sick and raise the dead. We learned how to love our neighbors as ourselves. We learned how to give our lives for a friend. So God... Why haven't we had such a strong enough revelation to make 
Jesus the central theme of all of our conversations. So, Lord, this morning I pray with a sincere heart. I I plead for those in this room today that are hearing my voice and those out on Facebook Live that are hearing this and on the podcast. I don't just ask them how beautiful their feet are, but from this moment on, I pray that you would say over them that their feet are beautiful because they go and share and brag on Jesus. It's not our works, it's your works, God. Lord, I I speak with boldness over these in this room that they would have encounters with people where they would come to know you as real. Lord, I, I pray that there would be those in this room that would find themselves laying their hands on the sick and the sick recover. There would be those in this room that would encounter those others that would just know about them. They would have words of knowledge and speak that over them. Lord, that prophecy would abound, that the gifts of the Spirit would be evident in our lives, not to point to how good we are, but to help us together to collectively brag on Jesus. Brag on you. In Jesus' name. Well, I sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. If it has impacted your life, would you share it with your uh, social media? Would you subscribe to this, like it, leave some feedback in the comments below? Also, would you go to our website at WLMiama.com? That's W-L-M-I-A-M-I.com. Go to the Give tab and contribute to what God is doing in northeastern Oklahoma. And if you're in the area, we have services at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, and you can find us at 135i northeast just across from the campus of neo we'd love to see you experience the presence of god together god bless you come again tomorrow